Hello, everybody. Coming to you from Jonesboro, Tennessee, the storytelling capital of the world and broadcasting from the historic McKinney Center at the Booker T. Washington School, you are listening to Storytown, Jonesboro's original storytelling radio hour. I'm your host tonight, Jules Corriere. Well, as you see, we are still bringing you the stories of our region, but in a slightly altered format. With the COVID-19 rates kind of still rising here in Tennessee, we're trying out this live stream format for our old time radio show. I'm so glad that you have joined us for this kind of experiment, right? We're still presenting your stories, but you're in the comfort of your own living room with plenty of snacks and, and you're not right in front of us. And I hope some of you are having a little glass of grape juice for me. <laughs> Fermented, maybe. Of course, all of these stories are true. <laughs> I like to say they started out true. We miss you being right here in front of us as we perform, but we are doing all of our parts to keep all of us safe, right? But we're also doing our part to keep telling you our stories. You know, here in Jonesboro, we don't cancel, we create. And right now, we're ready to take you on a journey in this episode called What a Trip. Now, to help us enjoy the ride, we've got one of our favorite music guests with us tonight, Aaron Jackson from Johnson City, Tennessee. He's returning to our program. Now, tonight, I'm going to be kind of your tour guide. We are going to be traveling through time and geography, telling real-life stories of traveling adventures from people right here. So put on your goggles and waders, grab your spelunking gear, hop in your canoe, whichever way you like to travel, let's go and explore. But before we stray too far from home, we want to be sure to thank all the folks who help us take you on these escapades. You're right, Calvin. Calvin's going to be co-hosting with me tonight, and we want to say a special thank you to the Wild Women of Jonesboro. We'd also like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission for their generous support of this program, as well as Main Street Cafe and Catering, and Nancy Hope and Odie Major. We're so grateful to our sponsors who believe in the power of our stories. That's right. And we'd, also, and we'd also like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission who are sponsoring us again next year for our 10th season. We just got word this week. And, of course, we'd like to thank WETS 89.5 FM out of Johnson City, Tennessee, our local NPR station, who plays our show. And I suppose we ought to thank all the people who shared their stories with us for this month's show. These aren't just made-up stories you're about to hear. They came from real people from real places right around here in the southern Appalachian region. And tonight's stories are really more local to Washington County, Tennessee. Many of them collected from our very active senior center here. And they have won the state trivia uh, contest since they started it. So they're quite brainy, too. So we've got their great memories and their sharp wit, which will all be brought to life tonight in our wonderful cast. And, of course, Gary the Sound Man. <laughs> Jules, we watch every month to see what sound effects you might put in the show to try and stump Gary. <laughs> but he always somehow manages to come through. 
What have you got this month? You'll just have to listen to find out. For now, I think it's time to hit the tracks for our first trip. I see what you did there. <laughs> Good going, Gary. I went down to the railroad station, and there was a passenger train. This was during the Great Depression. I didn't have a job, nothing holding me back. So right then and there, I decided I'm riding the rails. I hopped a ride in the blinds. Oh, that's the coach right behind the engine. I climbed on and the train pulled out, but the smoke from the engine kept coming in there. It was a dirty ride. When we got close to St. Louis and started to pull in the station, I jumped off. That was enough of that riding the blinds. I caught a freight train next, jumped in a boxcar with the door open. You know, that there's only a certain way that you can hop on to keep from being swung in between the cars and losing your hold. I climbed in there, and there were about 10 or 12 hobos in there. And I thought, my gosh, what have I gotten into here? Until one of them said, <coughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> I guess I was one of them. Judge not, I suppose. We're coming up on Mound City. Tough railroad yard there. If you get caught in the rails, they'll throw you in jail. Follow me. You're, you're going to jump right, right here. We landed hard and rolled. Get down. We laid uh, among the banks on the railroad tracks. Uh-oh. It's the railroad detective. I think he saw us. The railroad detective. We called them cinder dicks or bow chasers. He pulled out a pistol and shot along the bank where we were waiting for the next train to hop. This way we'll cut across the county to Missouri. Once we were safe, my traveling buddy was walking around the road and looking for, or, well, something I didn't know what. Chalk marks on the gator, something leading into it. Look for those. They're, they're the ones that'll feed you. We found one. It happened to be an African-American family. And as dirty as we were, she still welcomed and fed us. Even brought out some pie. Looked like pumpkin. But boy, it sure tasted better. Found out that it was squash pie. We thanked her and went on her way. Other places gave us coffee, but without any sugar or cream. What we now call regular black coffee. After a while, you just get used to it. Guess that's when I started drinking regular black coffee back in my hobo days. I'm tired of sleeping rough. Let's see if we can get some shelter tonight. There's a farmhouse up ahead. Yeah, you can stay here if you want to. If you want a job picking corn, I give you 75 cents a day. Well, I had 75 cents in my pocket, so I wasn't going to work all day for another 75 cents. I was tired and about ready to end my adventure. We turned him down, but he let us stay the night. He fixed a bed and, and right there on the front porch of that old farmhouse. Early in the morning, he gave us something to eat. That night, I thought I could sleep on my own front porch if I wanted to live like this. I got to thinking, this isn't very much of a life. I said goodbye to my friend, whose real name I, I never, ever learned. 
Even though he saved me more than once, I hitchhiked back home, and that was the end of my hobo days. Thanks, Brent, and thank you, Sarah Elizabeth, for that story about your grandfather. Now we're moving from the 1930s to the 1970s in this story all about local newsman Don Bagwell. I've spent a career in front of the news camera. I'm used to getting waves from strangers, and sometimes I just assume that the big greeting is for me when it's intended for someone else. Although you'd think after the Al Hurt incident, I'd have learned my lesson. Wait, Al Hurt? Trumpet player? You don't know him? Uh, okay, well then, um, what about Winfield Dunn? Former governor? <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. We'll call it the Winfield Dunn incident. It was the early 1970s. Extra, extra, federal government proposes to build five medical schools across the country that are adjacent to VA Center. Johnson City qualifies. Hooray! A bill in the legislature passed to allow the medical school to be built. Everyone loved the idea. I don't think so. Veto. All except one. Governor Winfield Dunn was opposed. Likely because it wasn't in his home district of Memphis. But support was so strong that his veto was overridden. Extra, extra, veto overridden. Led by Representative P.L. Robinson, Bob Good, and Senator Marshall Knave of Elizabethton. Congressman Jimmy Quillen proposed Johnson City to be one of the sites along with the head of the VA, Senator Hartke. Don, listen, I want you on this story. Take a crew out and get a feel from the community about this project. I'm on it. I was a reporter at Channel 11 WJHL-TV, and I had never seen the Tri-Cities come together so united on one project. All the business leaders, all the chambers of commerce, all the city governments, all of the elected representatives, all the prominent businessmen, everybody. Nobody was opposed to the medical school. Nope, except the governor. Now, as part of the process, the community invited Senator Hartke to Johnson City for a reception and to look at the VA center. They wanted to prove to him that this is a great, caring region. Don, I just got word the committee is sending a private jet to Washington to bring Senator Hartke to Tri-Cities. I want to catch his arrival. At this time, a private jet was a big deal. Well, we hardly ever saw any here, so it would be easy to spot on the tarmac at Tri-Cities Airport on that day in 1972, the ETSU band was there along with the majorettes, plus mayors of all the cities of the Tri-Cities waiting on Senator Hartke. About 300 people. I see a jet coming in. 
Get ready, everyone. The band starts playing Majorettes are twirling their batons The jet pulls up They literally roll out a red carpet To the steps of the airplane They open the door and This huge man steps out Don, Don, that's not Senator Harkey Wow, this is the best welcome I've ever had anywhere. Thank you. Hey, nice form on the trumpet and great drumline. As it turns out, the jazz trumpeter Al Hurt was playing at ETSU that evening, and it was Al Hurt's jet. <laughs> they towed the jet out of the way, rolled the red carpet back up, and about 15 minutes later, another jet landed. This time, the band started playing with even more fervor because they knew it had to be the senator this time. They rolled the red carpet up to the door and it was Senator Hartkey. Wow! This is the best welcome I've ever had anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we get that a lot. <laughs> Nobody ever told him that he was playing a second trumpet to Al Hurt's arrival. Well, of course, we did get the hospital. And Winfield Dunn, who opposed the hospital because it was in the wrong part of his own state, was not re-elected. No! I like to think Al Hurt and Senator Hartkey spent the rest of their days reminiscing about Johnson City and the best welcome they were ever shown. And after all, wouldn't we all love a welcome like that? Yup, <laughs> I know I would. For now, our next stop is a bit further north and a short jump in time. St. Richard's Catholic School, Philadelphia, 1962. When I see St. Richard's, even photos of it, I'm taken back to my youth. I was very shy, but I was smart and very quick and good at taking tests. Well, one day I was taking a test. I, I can't remember which one, but when I was finished, I kept my pencil in my hand and I started daydreaming out the window, which was another row over from my row. Susan, come here now. Well, I did as I was asked. Class, I want you to look at Susan. This is what a cheater looks like, and you would be very well to learn from this example. Susan, I am surprised. Up until now, you have been a good student. She sent me back to my seat without even asking for my side of the story. Minutes later, she caught another student teaching her, or so she said. She called him up to the desk and then called me up there again with him. I must say, I'm very disappointed. You will each stand in the corner for the rest of the day. Well, I took my place, even though I felt it was unfair. I didn't know how to tell her that she was wrong. I was even more upset when she came to me later in the day. Susan... I am so upset with you that I have decided that you will have to stay here overnight. Oh, and when dark comes, 
You should know there are huge rats. It was now the end of the day, and the children started getting their coats on and putting their chairs on top of their desks. One by one, they left the room, and when they were all gone, she patted me on the head. See you tomorrow. Well, I stumbled out of the room in a daze. I walked into the parking lot and was almost hit by a bus So, I, I, as I veered into its path. I don't remember much after that. I do remember being very glad to be home. I never told my parents about that until high school. By then, <laughs> I could laugh about it, though my parents didn't take it so lightly. Why didn't I tell them? Well, I guess I was embarrassed and I was scared of the rats and the nuns. Fear was the tool used to keep me in line, even when I wasn't out of line. What did this experience teach me? <laughs> it taught me to give people the benefit of the doubt. Things aren't always as they seem. And I traveled with that belief the rest of my life. Giving people the benefit of a doubt and a second chance. I think that's a great belief to carry forward. Now, up next, we have got a story that came to us from our well-traveled friend, Paul Fagan. What an adventure. Between 1973 and 1974, I walked, ran, and swam, rode horseback and mule, took bus, boat, truck, train, helicopter, and a plane from the top of South America to the bottom of the country. I came up from Cape Horn to the Caribbean Sea and then back down again, all of which led me to my daughter. Daddy! Well, not yet. Aww! On the cusp of my 31st birthday, I spent Christmas with my brother, who was living and working in Buenos Aires, Argentina. It was enchanting. I needed to experience more, really give South America a second look. I sent a letter to my employer explaining I wouldn't be returning. I made new friends, practiced my Spanish, and began thinking about traveling more extensively. Hola. Hola, la. On the coastal resort of Marl de Plata, I met Adrienne a Swedish woman who was also knocking about Argentina. After a few days of friendship, we decided to start traveling together. Good news. I spoke with Mario, who owns several car dealerships across the country. He invited us to travel with him to his next stops. Other friends loaned us backpacks, sleeping bags, and camping gear in case we decided to go off on our own, and so we did. Thank you, Mario. We decided to visit Santiago. We had no itinerary, no timetable, and no idea of what lay ahead. At first, we traveled in relative comfort, taking buses from point to point and staying in modest pensions, but they were too restrictive and too expensive. Paul, I found hostel with, with a straw bed with, and a cold shower. After a rest, let's go further into the jungle. Sometimes we slept on the ground, and sometimes we're invited to stay with truckers and travelers we met along the way. Next stop, Asuncion. Oh, let's get cleaned up before setting out for Bolivia. Bolivia? Are you sure? You only live once. When will we ever have this chance again? Adrian had a way with putting things in perspective. It was a new experience, and that's what we were going for. The region was desolate. The, the weather was abysmal. We washed ourselves and our clothes in streams. 
bought fresh bread and cheese when we could, cooked eggs and packaged soups on our primus stove and slept rough under scant shelter. Finally, we arrived in a small town across the border, exhausted, dirty, and hungry. Hey, somebody dropped package. Oh, they drove off. Paul, look, Providence is rewarding us for persevering. Candy bars. Oh, we shoved those chocolate into our mouths only to realize it was infested with worms. Well, at least we got some protein. Adrian was an incredible companion. We continued our adventure to Potosi and the magnificent salt plants of Solar de Uyuni, the old capital city of Sucre, Santa Cruz, Cocobamba, and a harrowing trip into the capital city of La Paz and at an elevation of almost 12,000 feet, Cusco and Machu Picchu. Paul, we should go to Lima and experience luxury again. I would enjoy cleaning up. As we were walking by one of the most elegant hotels in the city, we witnessed the staff forcibly removing tattered families from the steps in front. Adrian and I were certainly underdressed for the location, but we were also something else. Neither dark skin nor native to Peru, dressed as we were, unwashed and probably a bit ripe, backpacks and all, speaking English, we strolled up the steps, unchallenged, entered the hotel, found the bar, and were promptly seated and served. Apparently, our unseen passports forgave our appearance and assured us a privilege. It isn't fair, you know, but what can we do? In retrospect, I don't know whether we felt greater pride or guilt as our stronger sense. I was also very aware of the tour buses cruising the streets, filled with the elderly peering out from their air-conditioned isolation at the scene surrounding them. I told Adrian, how sad... How terrible to be separated from everything that makes being in a foreign culture instructive, enriching, and fascinating. I've never been to one of those. Now at the age of 77, I realize it could be me. Paul, I'm going to drop letter to family. It's been some time since I've been in touch. I sent out letters, and we were both pleased to find bunches of letters in return until... Paul, I, mu I, I must go back to Sweden at once. My father is ill. So she flew back to Buenos Aires and on to Sweden. Goodbye, dear Paul. That afternoon, we said an emotional goodbye, and that was that. I wrote to ask her about her father. Some months later, I received a reply that he had died and that she was now engaged to a longtime boyfriend. She thanked me for the adventure, and I never heard back from her again. Now... We're not going to let him off that easy, though. Will Paul end his adventure here and fly back to the States, heartbroken and lonely? He's climbing on board another train now, so we will have to wait until he arrives at his next stop to see what he does and where his destination leads him. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Storytown, Jonesboro's original storytelling radio hour and podcast on WETS 89.5 FM out of Johnson City, Tennessee. 
And we're back. As promised, we've got a special music guest tonight, Aaron Jackson from Johnson City, Tennessee. And Aaron, you have got some exciting news to share, don't you? I do have some exciting news. Um, I have a new single that is going to be coming out um, August 7th, and it's going to be up on all of the places that everybody gets music for free. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. It'll be also be on my website at AaronJackson.com. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. So check it out, everybody. Aaron Jackson. Thank you. Storytown Radio Hour. It's always good to be back over here with you guys. This is a song that I want to play for you. This is the single that's coming out. I'll be doing an acoustic version here tonight. We recorded it with the full band with drums and electric guitars. The great and powerful Brett McCleskey, your very own, is a part of it. He played keys on it, and I wanted to play this here for you tonight. Um, to make a long story short, this is a song that I wrote uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I found myself having to get sober. Uh, it was a long time coming, and this song is about somebody that kind of helped me through a really tough uh, transition period, going from one lifestyle to a new one. So this song's called Abriel. Abriel, you found me standing at a crossroads. But I wasn't there to learn to play guitar A bottle sucked away most of my sorrows But with it nearly took my soul and heart As the heroine you kept my tragic hero From residing in a cozy little hell my nihilistic outlook you help slowly to dispel So I'll be with you in the morning, Abriel Oh, Abriel Abriel, I've never been much for committing And as I sang that line, I know you rolled your eyes As for hanging, I was on, but by my last thread, you poured blinding light into a hollow shell, riding grace without abandon, mercy caught me in its sail, so I'll be with you in the morning, Abriel, oh, Abriel, the sounds of your musings. All oh, the bitter everything you whisper oh so well Kings and queens on higher horses You bring down to where mortals dwell So I'll be with you in the morning, Abriel Oh, Abriel Abriel, I want to drown your mother's magic Inside of your father's fever dreams Take all the skeletons down from the attic And resurrect them into kings and queens I would save you from this predatory landscape 
voluntarily enchanted Abriel. Oh, Abriel, are the sounds of your musings. They're bitter, everything you whisper oh so well. Kings and queens on higher horses, you bring down to where mortals dwell. So I'll be with you in the morning, Abriel. your last resentment that blocks you from the sunlight of the Lord I'd rather add some color and some tension to your major or your minor chords though our escapades will be fuel for others fodder will never tell Oh, I'll sit out the saints' communion and turn down the holy grail But I'll be with you in the morning, Abriel Oh, Abriel All the sounds of your musings They're bitter everything you whisper oh so well with you in the morning, Abriel. Oh, I'll sit out the saints' communion and turn down the holy grail, but I'll be with you in the morning, Abriel. Be sure to check that out when it comes at, when does it come out? August, August 7th. August 7th. Lily has put AaronJackson.com in your chat bar, so check it out. Go to the site, and Aaron is going to be back uh, later on in the show, but let's hear it from one more time. That was awesome, Aaron. I've heard the whole song with all the players in it, and it's amazing, so you're going to want to get that single. Well, we have been traveling to distant places, but up next, we're going to take a virtual day trip throughout the region and through time with our favorite historian, Anja Fellers-Mason, with the Heritage Alliance in a segment the, that we all like to call Ask the Historian. You know what's always fun to do during the summer? Take a trip. Take a trip to somewhere far and distant like Bowmanton and Broylesville, Cherry Grove, Conklin, and Hornet Nest. What, you've never visited Hornet Nest, Tennessee before? Uh, with the coronavirus still very much out and active in the world, this summer is the perfect time for a day trip to the local communities that make up Washington County. Today, many of these small communities have been incorporated into Jonesboro or Johnson City. Some of them flourished as stagecoach routes, only to be eclipsed by the coming of the railroad. Some of them boomed as railroad towns, only to fade away as passenger rail disappeared from the hills of Tennessee. Some of them no longer have their own post office. But the memories of these communities remain. So this evening, we'd like to feature some of the gone, but not forgotten, small towns, communities, and neighborhoods of Northeast Tennessee. 
First stop, Bowmanton. Five miles west of Jonesboro, John and Elizabeth Bowman purchased a farm with a gristmill for their son, Daniel. In the 1830s, Daniel added new buildings, built a larger mill with two water wheels, and a two-story home using brick burned at the site. This farm was located where Blackley Creek joins Big Limestone Creek and became the hub of what is known today as Bowmanton. The area was named for the Bowman family. Joseph B. Duncan, the only postmaster, was appointed on July 13, 1889. Now, the post office was discontinued on November 30, 1900, when the papers were transferred to Telford. Still, the community was a very active farming community, and the Herald and Tribune covered their farming exploits well into the 20th century. March 20, 1968. The Bowmanton Senior 4-H Club was very honored to have Kurt Rogers, Washington County Junior Boys Public Speaking winner, at their March meeting. In this speech, 4-H and Democracy, Kurt pointed out many ways 4-H helps develop democracy. Four very interesting as well as informative demonstrations were on the program. Kathy Stafford showed the club how to make picture cookies. Kathy Walker discussed with the group how to care for fabrics. And Beverly Gray showed the club how to get four pictures out of one when taking a snapshot to make it more interesting. Vicki Bowman discussed important points to remember when buying shoes. Stop number two. Broilsville dates back to the 1780s. It was founded on land near Little Limestone Creek by settlers from North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. Early settlers included Nicholas Broyles and Adam Broyles. By 1850, there were 206 families in the community. There were carpenters, blacksmiths, a wagon maker, a miller, a copper, a saddler, farmers, laborers, both enslaved and free, a surgeon, merchants, clerks, tailors, and cobblers. The community had some form of school by 1860. By 1871, the Broilsville Seminary of Education was in existence. Not much is known about the seminary. It was probably overshadowed by Washington College Academy, which is just right down the road a piece. Following the Civil War, there was a raid on the Broilsville community by the Ku Klux Klan. Dr. Dobson recalled, the neighborhood was invaded by the Klan the night before I came up and several folks had been unmercifully whipped. There seemed to be a reign of terror. These things were uninviting. It was not safe to be out at night if you had made enemies during the recent war. Several of the community's historic structures remain, including the Basher Mill, the Broilsville Mercantile Establishment, the Thomas Telford House, and the Adam Alexander Broyles House. Sadly, the Broilsville Inn was destroyed by fire in 2004. The Broilsville Historic District was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1985. Today, the community is active in preserving its history and sharing it with future generations. Stop number three on our tour is Cherry Grove, a small farming community that had a postmaster from 1854 to 1880 until their post office was discontinued. 
They had a community correspondent from the Herald and Tribune, though and on August 21st, 1895, they reported, our telephone line since the putting in of the new phones is working nicely, and we can now say hello to Jonesboro, Emeryville, Johnson City, or Fall Branch. Stop number four on our tour is Conklin. Uh, I've always heard it pronounced Conkling. The name was changed from Conklin to Conkling on April 19th, 1881. Why? I don't know, but I know the exact date for some reason. <laughs> it has to do with the post office, though, which was commonly known as West Store because that's where it was located. I give up. <laughs> The post office was located exactly one mile from the Nolachucky River. Their post office was discontinued in 1990, though, and moved to Jonesboro. In the early 1900s, the community had two stores, a feed mill, a school with eight grades, and two dairy farms, from which milk was hauled daily to Irwin and Johnson City. There was also Conklin High School, which was only in operation a couple of years, from roughly 1908 to 1910, before its students were transferred to Lamar. The community got a brand new four-room school in 1939 as part of the Federal Emergency Administration's Public Works Program. In 1958, its school was consolidated with other Washington County schools to become Westview Elementary School. The community responder reported to the Herald and Tribune on February 27, 1886, that there was quite a hailstorm Thursday night, enough to make one feel as if winter was setting in. Also, there's an interesting revival of religion in process at Wesley Chapel. The meeting has been going on for two weeks and quite a number of conversions have been professed. And don't forget this piece of community news. Mr. Fred Rubble wears smiles both day and night and dresses in his Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. On inquiry, it was ascertained that he was the papa of a fine girl. Stop number five brings us to Hornet Nest. Now, I don't know much about Hornet's Nest or where it was located, but it pops up in the community news section of the Herald and Tribune in the 1920s. If anyone has information on good old Hornet Nest, I'd love to know more. Here are some of the highlights from their community correspondent. Oh, looks Mr. Like Mark Beard has bought a new Ford car. Ooh. The farmers are very busy planting corn and getting ready to plant while other women are making garden and attending the Gossip Society. The farmers around here are harvesting this week. Also, some of the boys and girls are picking cherries. We noticed in a recent issue of the Herald and Tribune where the Cuss and Spit Club of Garbers was going to discuss how much longer will it be until the girls' skirts reveal the appendicitis operation scar. Mr. Tom Clausen had the misfortune to go and get his leg broke when the ladder slipped when he was painting. Hornet Nest wishes. 
Much success to the H&T and all of its readers. Now is a perfect time to find an old map and drive around Washington County through these little communities and hamlets of yesteryear. Find the sites of these old communities and get to know the place you live a little better. Just remember to stay safe while doing it. Thank you, Anne, for that great tour through history and the region. We are so lucky to have the Heritage Alliance right here in our community. Now, I want to check out some of those old sites. I love how this region finds ways to take what we've got and put new use into them. We preserve history and find useful places for it. We've got a story coming up from Deb Cruz, who also found a place and made a new use for it. Now, she took our old town hall building and turned it into Jonesboro's living room, otherwise known as the Corner Cup Coffee Shop. Now, how did a girl from out west end up in Jonesboro? Katie Rosalowski is here to tell us all about Deb Cruz's story. When I was in high school, my usual mode of transportation was not the train or the bus or the car. My mom had gotten me a 90cc motorcycle after I graduated junior high, and I rode that thing everywhere. In the 60s, girls still had to wear dresses to school. But I'd wear pants under my dress and ride my motorcycle. I parked next to all the other bikers, who were called the Hoods. Wow, nice bike. Ever thought about racing it? Well, not until now. I started doing motocross races on the weekends. I won my first powder puff race at 17. Hey, we're going rock climbing this weekend. Count me in. Well, needless to say, I didn't fit in with the other girls. I wanted to play sports and ride my motorcycle. Go mountain climbing. Deb, hey, I got a great idea. Now, you can't play football like you want. But we need a mascot. You'd suit up and get the crowd stirred up, and you can do all kinds of stunts. Well, sure. I was mascot all four years. At the reunions, I still dress up. Deb, one more thing. How about we get you on the girls' basketball team? I did want to learn how to play basketball, but I wanted boys' rules. We were only allowed to dribble the ball three times before passing, and you couldn't run full court. Hey, why are these rules so different? Because they think girls don't have the endurance. Well, nobody has the endurance for all the rules they place on girls. Hey, Deb, you should come to the reservation. We play boys' rules. Well, I started playing at the Indian Reservation, and that's where I really built up some skills. That's where I learned all about endurance. Not just on the court, but off. We're starting a girls' track team. Count me in for cross country. We only have the 440 for the girls. But I run up the mountain, up the mile-long trail, three or four times in one go. I can do long distance. I even learned how to hurdle up there when I run into rattlesnakes. Sorry. The rules come from the top. Luckily, the top in 1967 was starting to tumble. Today, girls play full court, run cross-country, and do so much more than when I was only at the earliest cutting edge to start. Cruz, now that you graduated, what are you going to do? Don't know? I do. Report to basic in six weeks. It was 1970 now. I enlisted in the Army. 
Not exactly the best time to enlist, but I wasn't too worried. Girls don't do combat. They weren't sending women to fight. It's not a place that women belong. Those are the rules. So women didn't fight. What am I talking about? Women didn't fight? Women have been fighting, and they are really doing amazing things today. As the rules have changed, as we have changed the rules and shown what we can do, we have fought. We have made them take a second look at what we are capable of. The only reason we got to where we've been is because we learned how to fight against the rules they tried to weigh us down with. Can only run the 440? Watch me run long distance. Can only dribble three times half court? Watch me do a full court press. Can only wear a dress to school? Watch me slip on some pants and ride my motorcycle. Now, I'm amazed when I watch women's basketball, women's soccer, where we just won the World Cup again. The guys haven't done it in years. I feel so good, and I think... I remember when. Sometimes, I like to think of myself as the grandmother of women's sports in this country. I was at that cutting edge. What a trip. I can't wait to see what's coming next. Me either. Thank you, Deb Cruz, for inspiring all of us. Well, the last time we heard from Paul, it was 1973, and he had just had his heart broken in South America. Now, let's see what an extra year has done for his adventure. It was always dark under the jungle canopy and blacker still when night came. In the glow of the cooking flame, a ball came rolling into view, followed by other objects. A bicycle seat, a lunchbox, and finally the children, skittering close to me, laughing and speaking in a language I could not understand. But humanity is universal. I understood they wanted me to accompany them to their village. I was greeted by the adults who seated me in a place of prominence and attempted to communicate. I was as incomprehensible to them as they were to me. So I sang folk songs, happy birthday, the Beatles, and they sang back to me. All you need is love. All you need is love, love. I left late that evening. I was changed, deeply enriched by the experience, the longing in my heart to make a real connection to humanity. It seemed to disappear. Even though I left this group, I knew our connection would have a lasting effect. It opened up something inside of me. I was feeling healed and restored. My biggest adventure of all was waiting for me. I slipped into Otavalo, Ecuador late one afternoon found a pension, rested, and then headed toward the noise I heard coming from the town center. A festival of music, street dancing, food, and a very potent beer called Chichi. I looked up and discovered my adventure. Her name was Beverly. She was an architect from Houston who had come to South America to study the Spanish influence. Her agenda became mine, and we traveled together until it was time for her to return to Houston and I left to go back to Buenos Aires. Within a week, I was back in Los Angeles where I spent a restless month, then hopped in my car and headed for Houston. And Beverly, we married and in 1978, and our daughter was born. Daddy! 
See, I told you I would explain how a backpacking adventure would lead to that. And while much is given to pondering the what-ifs of the road not taken, it seems the road we take is far more consequential. In my case, this particular road changed the way I think, led me in directions I had never considered, and allowed me to give life to someone I've lived for from the moment of her creation. I wouldn't alter it a bit. What an adventure, right? What a life story. Thanks, Paul Fagan, for sharing it with us. Now, if you're tuning in, you are listening to Storytown, Jonesboro's original storytelling radio hour and podcast on WETS 89.5 FM out of Johnson City, Tennessee. back with Aaron Jackson and let's give him another hand and welcome him back to the stage. Thank you so much. I wanted to play y'all a couple of brand new songs here. Um, this first one is called Long Before the Sun. Hope you dig it. We're gonna Get lost where we don't belong We're gonna sing a rock and a country song We're gonna cover Egypt with Babylon And I will give my love to you We're gonna jump up on the kettle drums We're gonna prophesy of the things to come You know that your angel eyes and your fairy thumbs Divide the night and day of a pistol We'll kick like the butt of a gun We'll grab books of life by the fistful Cause we'll burn out long before the sun We're gonna rob them blind but we'll make it quick We'll let the Cure and the remedy get sick We'll give the scarlet letter to Moby Dick And I will give my love to you We're gonna make tea from the magic vine We'll let the medicine bend space and time We're reaching higher for a better paradigm We all can just step into We'll kick like the butt of a gun We'll grab bits of life by the fistful Cause we'll burn out long before the sun of a pistol We'll kick like the butt of a gun We'll grab bits of life by the fist 
Just where we don't belong We're gonna sing a rock and a country song We're gonna cover Egypt with Babylon And I'll be getting closer to you played that song for a friend of mine a while back and they said what the heck is that about and I said I don't know <laughs> I have no idea and that, okay that's kind of the way with this next one here too uh yeah lyrically this one's kind of stream of consciousness uh, it's kind of all over the place and uh that's the cool thing about writing lyrics is I can kind of go and do and be whoever I want to so uh, this song is called they all sing hallelujah When July is throwing all the flames of summer Incinerating all the seasonals I find it kind of scary how I long for January With her icy breath to chill my mortal bones It seems like rivers really want to be the ocean And mountains to the sky they cannot touch when winter pays her dues, the wind will sing a minor blues And weeping willows wish that they could dry it up So I'll wrap my masterpiece in tape and plastic I'll tell you it's original as sin When the curtain doesn't call from every mouth will surely fall The sound that thunders when we all sing hallelujah I want every color shining in the rainbow To make a separate sound that I can hear Electric blue and ember red Will drown the voices of the dead And I'll make nothingness just disappear I wanna have a drink with Galileo Copernicus might even tag along Elizabeth the Virgin Queen My lady I would love to sing for you My favorite Leonard Cohen song And my mind I feel is ever strategizing A million ways to keep me in my head So as I'm turning off my thoughts This angel that I fought Will simplify the way I sing my hallelujah A paragon you never will live up to But the anti-hero always makes you smile When the streets are all on fire He'll play a fiddle and a lyre And the emperor will sing his hallelujah Well, it's better when we all sing hallelujah I've seen a lot of Aaron's shows over the past, what is it, four or five years yeah, that I've known, you know, yeah, four, four years. Years, yeah. um, I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah, That's so new. it's new. Yeah. So y'all got to hear it first. What do you think? <laughs> so go check him out. Aaron Jackson with an X, right? Yeah. Dot com. Anything else you want to tell us before you go, Aaron? No, just remember um, August 7th, new single is out. Check it out.
did it. Thanks so much, Aaron. Let's give him one more hand. That was awesome. Well, up next, we have another fabulous story, and we've got a visitor again. We have heard from this visitor before. Finn is back. Finn the dog is back <laughs> to join us for another show. And I know what that sound is. Now, this story was translated from Finn by Sarah Elizabeth. I wasn't behind the bars for long. The floor was cold, and a lot of people came in and out. Some with food. <laughs> Some with a leash, and we'd go for a walk. <laughs> Some just to play behind the bars. Good dog. They'd all say. Good boy. But they never stayed. They'd always leave until the day that they led me away. On that day, they took me somewhere with a lot of other dogs behind a lot of other bars, and it, it really smelled strong. I didn't want to go in. There was a lady with a white coat and a man dressed in blue. Good, Good boy. boy. They said that as they pulled me in. They held me down, and they stroked my fur. You're a good, good boy. boy. Good, good dog. dog. There was a pitch behind my neck and a cool, funny feeling under my skin. Their words began to sound slow and muddled until I fell asleep. Good boy. Oh, when I woke up, my body felt heavy, and my legs felt wobbly, and there was something big around my head. Every time I turned my head, the thing would crash into the bars, and I was trapped behind the bars again. Ugh, bars. I tried to stand up, but my legs wouldn't hold me. Hey, there's the good boy. You're awake. Your mom will be here soon to pick you up and take you home. Mom? What's a mom? What, what home? I tried to shake my head loose. Of that thing, it was too tight. I tried to pull it off and my hind legs felt a sharp pain from the stretch and I collapsed on the floor. All right, boy. Guess who's here? I tried to pull away from her. The last time she was around, she pinched me and made me fall asleep. Come on, boy. Don't fight. It took them both to pull me out from behind the bars and down the hall and through the doors where the lady stood with her two kids. She smelled familiar, but I couldn't be sure. The lady knelt down. Hey, Finn. I tried to back away. It's okay, Finn. Finn? I don't know who Finn is. He's still very groggy from his surgery and Still getting used to the cone, but you found a really good dog. Let me help you get him in the car. It was a long drive. Welcome home, Finn. It's okay. You can go in. This is your home now. The lady introduced me to my new brother, an older dog, and the boy and girl. They let me roam around the house and sniff everything. <laughs> and gave me water and food and a bone. 
You're a good boy, Finn. You're a good boy, she would say. And even though she would stroke my fur and her voice was kind, I'm not sure she knew that those words were often followed by something very bad. That night, when it was time to go to bed, the lady called me to her room and turned up a light. It was dark! I did the only thing I could do! I barked! Then I barked some more! And then I barked louder! The lady turned on the bedroom light, but she didn't get mad. Instead, she and the old dog went into the living room with me. They turned on the living room lights and laid down with me in the living room floor. There they stayed with me all night with the lights on. The next morning, when the sun came up and the medication had worn off, Mom and my brother were still asleep in the floor next to me. I realized that it had been one scary, crazy trip, but I finally found my home. I laid my head back down in my cone. With a happy flip of my tail, I closed my eyes. You're such a good boy, Finn. You're such a good mom, Mom. We just love those Finn the dog stories, don't we? Now, we have been back and forth through time and places, but we are about to start navigating some difficult terrain on this next trip. Sometimes our journeys are not comfortable, but they can be life-changing. We took a trip that was life-changing for our family. It was our teenager's spring break from high school last year. We decided to take her on a trip to visit her older sister, who was working overseas. The two girls, they're sisters. But are more than 10 years apart, so our oldest was off to college and then on to work before they really got to know each other. We hoped this trip would bring them closer together. Family's important. We also think it is important to travel and see things from another perspective, especially when you're young. So we boarded a flight. We landed in London and spent a couple of days there before going on to our final destination. Krakow, Poland. This is where our oldest daughter worked, teaching English in an Eastern European country. So much has changed here during my lifetime. Some places, though, have been left as they were, as a reminder, so we would never go back, so we would never experience the same horror. Mom? Mommy? Are you okay? Oh, yes, I'm fine, sweetheart. I was just looking over there. Yes, it took me a while before I could bring myself here for the first time. Teaching English, I was busy with my lesson plans and work and getting used to living in a foreign country. I hadn't considered until I visited here the first time what English language means to so many people. We stood together at the gates of Auschwitz. There is a silence there that is not like any other place I've ever traveled. When I came here the first time, I imagined the English language being heard perhaps for the first time 
by survivors here. And that moment in time, it was the language of liberation, even if they couldn't understand it. Freedom. Our bit, Mac, free. What does that mean? Death. It means work will make you free. For so many, their freedom was death. It's so cold here, Dad. Spring break and it's snowing. For some reason, though, the bitter cold felt right. It was a haunting trip, but important. We held to each other as a family. Family is so important in good times and especially in hard. Before we left, I was worried about not having my own TV. This puts everything into perspective. That's how I felt, too. It makes you think about what is most important. Family. Family. The unexpected feelings we had together on this visit brought us all closer. The girls recognized their bond as sisters on the snow-covered field. Before we left, another chilling wind blew through me. I would be flying home in a few days, home to the land of the liberators, home to a place I hope, I pray, I believe that this would never, ever happen. I'm so glad we made this trip. I'm going to visit you again, for real, right after I graduate. Thank you. Mom and Dad, for reintroducing me to my sister. Thank you for reintroducing me to my commitment to humanity. Keep teaching the voice of freedom. It's 1945. I'm three years old and my mother needs help watching me while she goes to work. Women were doing their part for the war effort and working. My Aunt Hazel, who was five years older than my mother, became my caretaker. During those war years, I probably spent more time with Aunt Hazel than I did with my mom. We became very close. Here you go, Phyllis. Now you're, for, you're a good girl. Maybe we'll get something on the way back. Can we have lunch on the train? I think we can afford a trip to the club car. We went on trips together, taking the train to go shopping. That was always fun, especially after the war when you could actually buy clothes and shoes without ration cards. Here you go. The special on the train was frankfurters and sauerkraut. I think your mother's going to just love this little sweater we picked out shopping. I do, too. It is her favorite color, yellow like sunshine. When I was in college, the time when most young people begin to grow farther apart from their family, Aunt Hazel and I grew closer. As the year passed, I went on to be a nurse and care for people in the same way that Aunt Hazel had cared for me. The years became decades. It's now 2005, and Aunt Hazel is 90. Our roles are reversed, and I am now her caretaker. Here you go, Aunt Hazel, your favorite food, frankfurters and sauerkraut, just like they used to serve on the train. After lunch, we'll go to your doctor's appointment. Mom's coming, too. You both had appointments around the same time. Well, I get to sit in the front because I'm older. Aunt Hazel, you're 90, and she's 85. 
Does age really still count? Rules are rules, but Phyllis, on one of your outings, would you mind picking me up a padded bra? Aunt Hazel, really, at your age? Especially at my age, dear. Certainly, Aunt Hazel, I can pick you up a padded bra. Let me tell you, she gave me the exact descriptions. Beige, 32B, elastic, not wire, double stitching at the shoulder. I can't tell you the make and model of the car we were driving, but I can describe those padded bras I was sent to buy in detail. I made the trip to her house with five padded bras in hand, varying shades of the color she wanted, and she tried on each one. This one, this one is just wonderful. Thank you, Phil. You know, maybe you ought to get one for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'll think about it, Aunt Hazel. I'm glad you're happy. You're never too old to look your best for any occasion. My aunt lived to be nearly a hundred years old. To the end, she was had every detail, very detail-oriented. She had every detail of her funeral written out, including... Phyllis, I'm gathering the clothes your aunt specified. Do you know anything about a Bally Comfort Revolution in Beige Bliss 32B? I sure do. I'll take care of it. Terry was right. You two have some weird code language. (laughs) Don't worry, Aunt Hazel, I gotcha. How do I look? Perfect, and ready for your final adventure. Thank you, Phyllis. Don't be sad. This isn't my final adventure. This is just the beginning of the greatest adventure of all. Goodbye. See you later, Aunt Hazel. See you later. What an adventure, and what about Hannah Joy, who joined us for the first time tonight? (laughs) Adventures, this journey of life. We have keepsakes from our trips that we often pass down. Old photographs, old maps, mementos, ticket stubs. They're not just items collecting dust, but memories. Behind the black and white and gray images are the faces of life adventures, Faces you might not be able to imagine participating in wild frolics or turning point moments. But these are the faces that made change happen. That made our the future that we're all standing in now. The faces that pushed through hard times, who welcomed strangers, who fought the status quo, who gave a second look at what was happening and did their best to make it better for each of us to reach our next step further. One day, we'll be faces and photos and pixels. What will our families, our communities, remember about our contributions to their future? Where will we take them on their own journey? What a trip to think about all the ways our adventures shape the future. We'd like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission, the Wild Women of Jonesboro, Main Street Cafe and Catering, and Nancy Hope and Odie Major for helping us on our journey. We'd also like to thank Aaron Jackson and his incredible music because you always need a soundtrack for your travels. (laughs) That is completely right. And we'd also like to thank you, our audience. 
we miss seeing you live, but we are so grateful to know that you are on the other side of this camera, and we can't wait to see you again in person. We really enjoyed our visit tonight. Now tune in the last Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. on WETS 89.5 FM out of Johnson City, Tennessee, or you can stream us on their HD Channel 1 at WETS.org. And come and visit us again. Or take us along on your own journeys by subscribing to our podcast channel, Storytown, all one word, Storytown, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for being on this adventure with us tonight. Good night. Good night.